0: The big thing here is, as you cover this, all eyes are on the Republican Party picking their nominee, albeit I think they've pretty well picked their nominee. That's my personal belief. But, you know, nobody's keeping an eye as well on the, on the Biden campaign. You know, what is going on? Is it just in peer fundraising mode? Is it going out there making a case? Well, there's a lot of people that cover all of this. Reed Epstein is one. He's a New York Times reporter. Uh, covering politics. He currently focused on that Biden re-election campaign, but he's in Iowa covering the caucuses. So let's get him on. Reed, good to have you on News and Views. Thanks for your time, sir. Uh, good morning, Joel. Good to talk to you. How cold is it in
1: Iowa? Uh, it's very cold. It's so <laughs> cold that uh, if you walk outside, like the any sort of fluids that are in your nose or ears will just freeze when you're outside, <laughs> inside, inside your head. So it's uh, it's extremely cold, um, and frankly, it's dangerously cold. And we've seen a lot of events get canceled because Nikki Haley canceled an event because her plane couldn't get from one part of the state to the other. Um, I know from my colleagues have talked about uh, gas stations, gas station pumps being frozen and not being able to uh, not working like uh, Tire pressure changes when it gets this cold. I, anybody who I grew up in the Midwest, anybody who grew up in this part of the country, is familiar with. Yeah. Yesterday uh, we th- had to these put kinds of some, conditions.
0: We had to put some air in the tires because of just what you described. So, yep, w- you and I know about this. But it's for for those people who don't know Iowa, or don't know the Upper Midwest, like you and I do, uh, th- that are covering it. I mean, when you talk to your fellow reporters, what
1: reaction do you get, Reed? Um that it's not that fun to be, frankly, to be <laughs> around when uh it's fifteen degrees below zero. Um uh, and it's I it frankly it, it does make these caucuses the different kind of animal to cover because we're all those of us who have done a few of these are used to you know crisscrossing the state and being out at events and seeing lots of people, but uh you know so many of the events got pulled down or, or cancelled that uh there's just less to see than there has been in the past and that combined with the relatively uncompetitive nature of this republican contest uh has has really changed the mood of what it's like to cover one of these
0: so if if there's less of a turnout which there will be less of a turnout than normal because of this cold you don't have to be dick tracy to figure that one out who does it hurt who who does this weather hurt the most does it it does it I mean, out of basically the three candidates that everybody's attention is on?
1: Uh, Well, each of the candidates, uh, each of the campaigns will tell you it hurts somebody else. Uh, I think we just, we frankly don't know who it it hurts. Um, There is a school of thought that it will help Nikki Haley because her supporters tend to be more congregated around the cities where roads are plowed and it's, less dangerous. You're not risking your life driving across country roads uh, to get to a caucus site. Um, But her supporters tend to not be uh, quite as much of your devoted, hardcore base Republicans. And so maybe they won't go outside in the cold uh, the way that Trump's uh, will or DeSantis's might. And so we don't really know. Uh, I mean, these so much, this is the sort of thing that happens with each caucus in either party where uh, everybody has different ideas of what the turnout will be. And it's a lot of the discussion in the days leading up to the caucus night, um, mostly to fill the time, frankly, but no, because nobody knows how many people are going sure. to show
0: up. When you look at this race from afar and, and you just take a look into it, it d- tonight is a really big night for Ron DeSantis. It would appear because this man, kind of went all in on Iowa and uh, the poll numbers show that he's not getting that dividend back. If, if Ron DeSantis comes in third and a distant third tonight, does that end his presidential race?
1: It's I, and only he will decide if it ends his presidential race, but it certainly makes it difficult for him to develop a rationale to go forward uh, into New Hampshire and South Carolina, where he's not, not as perceived to be as strong as he's been in Iowa. And it would give Nikki Haley an argument that she's the chief Trump alternative going forward. Now, it also makes a difference what Trump's number is. Uh, if Trump is, there's a big difference, I think, in how these results will be perceived. If Trump is at closer to 40 percent than 50 percent, uh, if if Haley and DeSantis can combine for a, a majority of the support, and caucus scores they can make an argument that Trump is not the choice of the party and that the they need there one of them needs to drop out and they can combine and their supporters combine to put up somebody against Trump in one-on-one but if Trump is above 50% or much above 50% it really deflates the argument for anybody else going forward.
0: Yeah. I had a friend yesterday tell me, you know, asked me basically, what does Donald Trump have to fear in all this? All the polls show him with a commanding lead. And and my scenario, you know, of course this is what if, this is a long shot scenario, but if, if Haley comes in second and a much stronger second than, than what uh, DeSantis does, DeSantis gets out, Ramaswamy gets out. Now you've got Haley and just Trump. Haley makes it through, uh, New Hampshire. Now she's headed to South Carolina, South Carolina to me is, is her make or break it state. You know, if, if she can't connect in her, in her home area, then she doesn't belong in the race anyway. Um,
1: it, but, it was, and she should be, and she should be strong in New Hampshire too, where independents can cross over and mm-hmm. in a Republican primary. It's a great point. Uh, you know, we've, if you've watched her in the debates or listened to her rhetoric, she's in making an, even when she's been in Iowa, she's been making an appeal to uh, to moderates and independents in a way that Trump and DeSantis just have not done. And so uh, she should if she should do better in New Hampshire than she does in Iowa. Um, you know, we've seen in past races those eight days between those contests can be a very long time in political terms, and uh, wacky things have happened. And we saw. Um, You remember when Chris Christie sort of filleted Marco Rubio in Mm -hmm. that New Hampshire debate and Frank basically ended his campaign in one night. Uh, So those sorts of things can happen in New Hampshire and uh, we'll we'll have to see over the
0: next week. Reed Epstein is our guest with the New York Times. We're talking about the caucuses tonight in Iowa, what they might mean. Is anyone covering this race even concerned at all of, covering Ramaswamy anymore, or is he just an afterthought now?
1: Well, we, uh, I will tell you that uh, the New York Times still has a dedicated Ramaswamy reporter. Uh, one of my colleagues has been dutifully chasing him around Iowa for the last couple of weeks, uh, four and five ad- events a day. It's quite the, the hazard <laughs> Um but we, he's still out there. He, um, you know, as he has dropped in the polls and has struggled to, Gain attention from from voters and the news media. He tends to say more and more outrageous things, uh, and is engaged in more conspiracy theories than perhaps even earlier in the campaign. But you know the problem with with heading down that path, uh, if you're a, a trailing candidate, is like you really have to amp up the uh, the outrageousness to get any attention, and it tends to lose its shock after a while Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, i want to ask you when we come back about you know where how big of a factor it is when you have the governor of north dakota for example doug Burgum, now endorse Uh, a lot of people i spoke to in iowa didn't know that doug Burgum was in the race you know that that you know how big of a factor that is, and I want to put this in the perspective of people here, North Dakota, you know, Western Minnesota, you know, that type of a of a context. But uh, stick around; or we'll get a chance to visit with Reed a little bit more. I appreciate Reed Epstein staying with us a little bit longer. He writes for the New York Times. Obviously, you can hear his podcast. Abby's a regular as well, uh, and you get a chance to hear him there. But uh, here, Reed, what I wanted to ask you is this. In, in North Dakota, uh, Governor Burgum came out in an interview with Chuck Todd on Meet the Press and said he wouldn't do business with uh, Donald Trump. J- just quickly take a listen to this. Donald Trump? Uh, I don't think so. Why? I would, I just think that it's important that you're uh, judged by the company you keep. And
1: I. You just wouldn't do business with him.
0: No, I wouldn't. Okay. Now, that same man yesterday was in Iowa running in front of a microphone saying he's my guy. Uh, Are you seeing a lot of that out there on the trail?
1: Well, I mean, Trump is still very popular here. Um, I frankly was also sort of surprised when I heard that governor Burgum had, had endorsed trump yesterday uh it, it, i wasn't watching the trump rally as it happened and uh had not thought of governor Burgum for a while for some time and uh until i saw that he endorsed him yesterday but it it does seem like a pretty transparent uh play by the governor to try to get into trump's good graces and perhaps uh win himself a cabinet post if trump is uh wins the white house back
0: yeah that's what everyone here is basically speculating as well and i don't think it's much of a speculation anymore i want to talk about the biden campaign which you've been covering a uh, lot of surrogates out there speaking on behalf of joe biden now i saw it on the the sunday shows whether it's the governor of illinois or minnesota or california or others uh, are you seeing more and more democratic uh, strong surrogates out there uh basically beating the drum for joe biden
1: well, later today, uh, Governor JB Prisker of Illinois and Senator Tina Smith of Minnesota and uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, the Hollywood mogul who is uh, leading the Biden campaign's fundraising efforts, are uh, are con- are coming to Des Moines in the negative 12 degree weather to uh, to talk about Joe Biden on the day of the Iowa caucus. It's a, a it is a an effort to try to steal some attention from the Republicans. Uh, first contest to talk about Biden and and counter program a little bit. Um, But it is I I think you're right that the the surrogate game uh, has been a little soft for Biden. And some of that is that uh, I think there's some of these high wattage Democrats who may be in the mix for the next presidential campaign are maybe looking at Biden's polling numbers and unpopularity and, and wondering how much they want to stick their neck out for him. Um on the other hand you have people like Gavin Newsom in California who, who can't get enough, right? They want to they want to be out as much as they as much as possible uh stumping for the president. Um but the issue is, you know, in in presidential campaigns, you need the principal, you need the candidate himself to be out doing the work that uh, of talking to people and pushing the message because having others having People like Amy Klobuchar or Tina, Tina Smith or or governors uh, only gets you so far. And Biden's sort of pace of campaigning and 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 public appearances has been pretty slow uh, for a president uh, running for re-election. Whether that's because of his age or because he's been busy with uh, with world events, uh, it, it does combine to to leave him a little bit. But behind the pace of, of where an incumbent president might be at this point. Where's the app money-wise? Uh, well, they announced this morning uh, that they uh, had $117 million on hand in their three fundraising accounts at the end of the year, uh, which is a lot of money. Uh, they The raising money is, has not been a problem for them, uh, but they they have spent a lot in toward the end of last year. Uh, they had spent tens of millions of dollars on TV ads in the battleground states to try to boost the president's approval ratings uh, and his standing against Donald Trump in the in the places where the presidential campaign is going to be most competitive. Uh, and that has not seemed to work at this point. It hasn't moved his numbers in, a, in an appreciable way. Uh, the campaign's bet, which they have said over and over again to any reporter that asks is that once. Republicans nominate Donald Trump that they believe that Biden's numbers will improve because the, the prevailing theory is that uh, voters who aren't paying close attention to these, to this race or, or to politics in general don't appreciate that that Republicans are going to nominate Trump again and, and that they think once people understand that uh, they'll be repelled by him with memories of chaos and everything else that took place when Trump was in the office uh,
0: and I know we've only got 30 more seconds with you here but how big of a factor is it that the polls show Nikki Haley easily beats Biden while with Trump it's a much closer race
1: well certainly Democrats uh, are are pretty afraid of that prospect uh and that is the the argument that Nikki Haley has been making on the campaign trail but we haven't seen it be so far at least in Iowa be terribly effective in wooing Trump supporters over to Nikki Haley.
0: Yeah. I think they're in love with him. I think it's just what it is. Um, Reed, thank you for your time, sir. I hope you get warm. Get get yourself some hand warmers. Thank you, Joel. You bet. Uh, What a guy, ladies and gentlemen, does his job and does his job well.